I've had several people reach out to me and it's just knowing who the true experts are on this and who aren't, you know, just because someone is a teacher, a principal, whatever administrator doesn't mean that they have all of the answers. And so just because someone gives you an answer, don't take that at face value. Keep searching and digging and looking at all of the different uh, options and testing and you know, you, you're your child's biggest advocate. I'm Nicole Holcomb, attorney by day and podcaster by night, a former educator, school counselor, and administrator, and mom to a nine-year-old daughter with dyslexia, who loves all things Harry Potter, Minecraft, and science. A few years ago, she was identified with dyslexia, and our life seemed to turn upside down for a while, quite literally. I created the Dyslexia Mom Life podcast to help you navigate the upside down journey of dyslexia. You got this. If you're wanting to thrive as a mom in this dyslexia journey, then you're in the right place. Let's get started. Mother's Day may be celebrated one day of the year, but here on the Dyslexia Mom Life podcast, we are celebrating moms for the entire month of May. Today, I'm talking to one of the eight amazing warrior moms who are sharing their personal parenting dyslexia journey with us. Grab your earbuds and enjoy learning from moms who are taking you behind the scenes of parenting dyslexic kiddos. All right, today on the show, I'm so excited to welcome Daniela Hapman. She is here for our special series for Mother's Day, and I'm just uh, just beyond delighted to share her family story with you today. But before we do, I want to welcome Daniela to the show. So welcome. We appreciate you, you being here. I'm happy to be here. Well, before we get started, do you mind just maybe sharing a little bit about yourself and your family before we get into your dyslexia parenting story, but just maybe give a little context about yourself so they can get to know you a little bit. Sure. Um, I am a married mom of three kids, ages four, um, eight, and 11. My 11-year-old is the dyslexic one. Um, I uh, I run an online eco-friendly toy shop called Purple Panda Company, and then I'm also in real estate. So I got a lot going on. Absolutely. Like most moms, it seems like we have lots going on all the time, but when you are running a household and running a business and it sounds like you're running multiple businesses, it makes for a very busy day. Well, I have to say, I was, we were talking before we hit record and I absolutely love your purple panda company. It is, it's, the toys are amazing, but I also love just what you do around framing your brand. It is absolutely beautiful. So if anybody is in the market for children's toys, you should absolutely check it out because it's, it's an amazing website and she has a lot of uh, unique things to offer, you know, just things that you don't see on the market. So that's very refreshing as well. So thank you for your work there as well. All right. So you have three children. Are they all girls? Do I remember that right? They're all girls. All girls. And so your 11 year old is your amazing dyslexic, right? Okay. Well, let's start there then. Let's talk a little bit about the early, the early days, if we will, like, what were some of the things that you look back now that you saw as signs of there's something more here, or maybe even an aha moment where you were like, you know what, Mm, something's, mm, something's not right, that there's something else going on here with these particular uh, concerns that we're having. So talk to us early on about some of the signs or some of the things you were seeing early on before you get to the dyslexia identification. Um, I would say the very first thing that stands out is um, she couldn't learn her colors. So, you know, we were going over her colors. She was two and she would just kept getting them wrong. I'm like, okay, she's two. 
and she's three and we're doing colors and she's still getting them wrong. And I'm like, well, she's three. Okay. And then at four, I was like, I think she's colorblind. Like I remember telling my cousin who is um, an assistant superintendent for a school district. I think she's colorblind. Like, you know, can you, can you check her out? Do you think she's colorblind? And she came over and did stuff. And she was like, no, she's not colorblind. She knows her colors. I think she's just being stubborn. I'm like, okay. But that was really, you know, and then looking back once I knew, and then looking at some of the telltale signs, that's one of them or can be one of them. Right. So what about as she, as she moves into kindergarten, what are you seeing there? Um, She just wasn't, um, she could not blend her words. You know, we were doing the basic cat, you know, sound out cat, at, and she, she knew the k, she knew the at, she knew the t, and I was like, put that together. What does that make? And she was like, I don't know. At, I don't know, you know, she just right. couldn't, couldn't put them away. together. Yeah. Yeah. Could not put it together. Mm-hmm. And I was just, you know, I was very frustrated. She, I put her mistakenly into a charter school to start off kindergarten, which was mm-hmm. one of the best in our state. They, they teach ahead. It's very um, classical curriculum. Um, a lot of homework, you know, she had homework in kindergarten. Wow. Um, it was flashcards, these Spalding phonogram cards that we had to go over every night. And she just wasn't learning them. You know, I would go over a set of 10 or even five. And the next night I'd be like, all right, she's got it. She's nailed it. No, <laughs> she might know one of them. Meanwhile, my three-year-old knows them. I would say, what's her of her? And she would say, ER. Yeah, And my five-year-old just looked at me like, I don't know, mommy. Hmm. So at that point in time, how was that going for you as a family? Was she starting to show signs of frustration or not wanting to go to school or just completely, I just can't do this? Or what was going on at that time for her from more of a social, emotional standpoint? She still, she liked going to school. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, she did love her teachers and everything. So that wasn't an issue, but just the nightly homework was you know, she was in kindergarten half days, so she wasn't a full day and they did do fun stuff. Um, but you know, just those every, she had spelling words and then she had a test every Friday and trying to, you know, get her That's so painful. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that I is mean, just so painful. Yeah. We had ocean on there. Oh, you're <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> we are like, not going to get that one. <laughs> oh, so, yeah, so it, it, it is. Yeah. It's, and, and, and it's frustrating at that point as a mom, because uh, you know, or for parents in general, really, you know, whoever's caregiving, because at that point in time, you've not figured out yet why they can't do it. So, right. you know, are we just playing around? You're not being serious or is there something right. else going on? I, and lazy. Like I remember, I feel horrible. I, I, I remember saying you're being lazy. Like right. you know, we would sit there, we would literally work on these things for an hour a night and she would sit there and cry and she would fidget and she would you know, look all over. And mm-hmm. I was like, pay attention, stop fidgeting. Why are you fidgeting? Just sit <laughs> still and look at, look at this card. Right. You know, we just went over this. You should know this. And you know, this went on for most of the semester, the first semester. And I was, I just kept talking to my cousin, you know, who was the superintendent and we just couldn't figure out like what was going on. I knew my husband was in reading classes when he was younger I knew he, you know, he was labeled with learning disability and in those, you know, at the time called LD classes. And so I knew he struggled with reading, but he did not have a dyslexia diagnosis. And I remember asking him, are you sure you didn't get a dyslexia diagnosis? He was like, no, I, you know, I went through lots of testing. I was never told I was dyslexic. 
Mm-hmm. And I had been discussing that with my cousin, you know, do you think she's dyslexic? And she was like, she could be. I talked to another friend who was a reading specialist and she, you know, it's just funny how many people don't know a whole lot about dyslexia, even, mm-hmm. you know, experts in, in school yeah. don't, don't know. And she was like, well, you know, here's a list, look at these things. And I'm like, well, she can rhyme, you know, she must not be dyslexic. She can rhyme and she can count. She knows her numbers and she can skip count and things like that. So I was Mm -hmm. like, she doesn't, you know, she's a couple of these, but she doesn't have majority. So it must not be, must not be that. Yeah. And at our house, our daughter has always been good at math. Like we're fortunate for that. Math comes easily to her. And then I don't know if you experienced this as well, but even like the other pieces, it's to me, dyslexia is so unique and so different because you have all these pieces and you have these little, I guess you could say outliers that are going on with them where they, you know, they're, they're not putting those sounds together to make words. But then on the other hand, they're using this extensive vocabulary or they're really creative or, you know, there's this other piece to them that you're like, you know, it sounds horrible to say, I can't believe I want to say this out loud, but you know, what we typically know growing up, well, she doesn't, you know, because dyslexics don't appear to be special ed, right? They don't appear to have a difference or a disability. So they look pretty normal, right? I mean, there's not a physical disability. So a lot of people say, well, they're really, it's like an invisible disability because no one really sees it. And I think for parents, it's even more, I can't say the word, perplexing because, you see this child that presents with all these amazing strengths and features. And then on the flip side, something that we think comes easily, but it really doesn't. And we really have to learn how to read. It's not something that's that we get naturally. Right. I mean, it is a skill and it just doesn't make sense for a while, you know? And like you said, we were the same way early on with our daughter and it was, it was more sight words. And I was like, we've studied these all week. I don't like Thursday night in the floor crying, both of us. <laughs> She's frustrated. I'm frustrated. I'm like, I don't, that doesn't even sound like these letters. Like, where are you getting this? So yeah. it, it can be very frustrating. So it sounds like the first semester of kindergarten, there were some ups and downs and still trying to make sense out of all this. Um, it was painful. It was just so mm-hmm. painful. And, you know, she did write, she, she reversed her BDs. She, I do remember her writing, you know, she wrote something and I, and I, I showed him, I was like, honey, look at this, look at this paper. I'm like, if you put a mirror up to it, it's a mirror image. You can read it in the mirror. It's totally backwards. I was like, you know, that's when I really started saying, is she dyslexic? And people are like, right. that's not the only sign. And right. I was just like, this, this is weird. Like, I can't even do that. If I tried, I could not write like that. <laughs> right. Like, and she's doing it with, that's just how she's doing it. Yeah. Right. So, she didn't even think twice about it. Yeah. So as you go into second semester kindergarten, are you still seeing the same things? Are things getting better? Are the school addressing yeah, things at all? Or? Um, I, t- I was talking to her teacher about it. I was like, do you think she's dyslexic? And she's like, oh, it's, I said, can we test her? You know, there's something going on here. Can we please test her? And she said, no, you know, it's really, it's too early to be testing for dyslexia. You don't do that. And, to, and this is what I had heard from other people as well, you know, other experts in the school you don't test for dyslexia, you know, before like second grade or maybe even fourth grade. And it's too soon. And she was, she had developed, she had had a speech regression when she started kindergarten. She had no speech issues prior to kindergarten. And so, you know, I was like hounding the school about getting her speech tested and they were dragging their feet on that. And they wouldn't throw in dyslexia as long as they were doing speech. So they put her in a special reading program. She was going every day after school for help. And it was making zero difference. And then we hired a tutor from the school and she went for the rest of the year 
and it made no difference. Like she was, she barely had mastered her alphabet sounds by the end of the school year, by the end of kindergarten. Wow. Yeah. Cause they're addressing the, a different thing. They're not addressing the pieces that need to be addressed. Um, and, and I, and you're right. What you said earlier, which was, you know, when you were mentioning, you know, this is just what the experts are saying or what the school is saying. And, and many times when we were just talking a few minutes ago, you said, you know, it's, it's interesting because many times people, and I was the same way I saw just, I just thought dyslexia was things were backwards. Letters, numbers were backwards. I didn't realize there was a whole different layer to dyslexia. And um, like you were saying a few minutes ago, educators didn't, didn't realize that either. Like there, there are just some, there's some very specific signs early on as early as kindergarten that if you know what you're watching for, you know, you can absolutely catch it as early as possible. All right. So let's talk about, did you go into first grade with the same situation? Uh, when, when do you have an aha moment to say, okay, we're going to pivot and do something different. This is not working. Well, I knew by the end of first semester in kindergarten that I didn't, you know, the school was not for her. In the meantime, my three-year-old, I had just enrolled her in a Montessori. I wasn't familiar with Montessori until I enrolled her there. And I just knew when I toured it, it was like, I'm very crunchy, organic. And it just, you know, I'm instantly meshed with the school. And I, so I, as I learned more about Montessori and saw what she was doing, and I was going to the parent nights and learning what Montessori is, I was like, this is this is how my kindergartner learns, you know, she needs this play based learning, this hands-on learning where she doesn't realize that she's learning. And so, you know, by the end of the year, I was like, she, you know, we're not doing this charter school anymore. I'm pulling her and she's going to private, you know, I'm just putting her in Montessori and we're going to see how that goes. And then also um, she started getting speech therapy. And then the speech therapist was finally like, you know, her speech, you know, she still needs a little bit more work, but really her bigger concern is her reading, you know, just having her try and do some words for her speech. It's, she's really behind, you know, I think you should switch over to that, to getting tutored for reading. So then we switched over to a reading tutor. And then she was like, you know, after, I don't know, six months, she was like, really, she needs more help than I can give her. I think you should try this place called Blossom Park. I think they're going to give her more individualized, um, learning that she needs for her tutoring. So we switched over to that, but she also flourished in Montessori. Was that another tutoring program or was that a different school? No, it wasn't a school. Yeah. It's, it's an outside, um, pro like they use, I think it's called fit learning. Um, and so it's like, uh, another institution that you would go sign up for Mm -hmm. and it's very expensive. (laughs) It was very expensive. It was like $90 an hour and they want you to do 10 week sessions. And so in my mind, I was like, okay, in 10 weeks, she's going to know how to read. You know, this, this is it. You know, this is intense five days a week, right. one hour. Oh, wow. That gonna, is intense. Yeah. So she, I'm like, she, or maybe it's four days a week. Um, you know, she, this 10 weeks, this is going to be it. I'm going to, I'm going to record her then reading a book. Like I really believe that, but that didn't happen. So, um, at that point, were you, was she in first grade at this point? Yes, she was in first grade. All right. So first grade, is this first semester, second semester? This was, when did she start there? I think she started Blossom. Um, I think she started Blossom right before second grade started, like maybe the summer before second. Okay. So you have these 10 weeks, this very structured program that you feel like, okay, this, this has got to be it, right? Because these other things... There was speech we addressed. We've got a reading tutor. They said, nope, we got to go a different direction. And so you're checking all the boxes and following all the advice. And then what happens at the end of Blossom Park? 
Um, they say, you know, they give you testing. So that was the one thing you had concrete tests to really measure the progress and they do do it's multifaceted, um, Mm multi-sensory. So it was in the direction that she needed. I did see improvement, but very slow, very small. And so we kept doing the 10 weeks and we kept doing the 10 weeks. And at the end of second, they said, you know, and they, and they said all along, we don't really care what her diagnosis is. We don't help according to diagnosis. We help according right. to the child and testing. But at the end, they were like, it's really slow. Maybe you do want to get her tested and see what's going on here. <laughs> You're like, okay. Yeah. yeah like, okay. So that was the end of second grade that, that she was evaluated? Yes. And so um, I was given the wrong information again, told I couldn't go through the public for the evaluation, went and got a neuropsych um, neuropsychologist to evaluate her. And I remember sitting down with him and I was like, you know, I think she might have dyslexia. I think she's dyslexic. And he said, oh, he kind of laughed. He was like, we don't, we don't, we don't say dyslexia. It's that's, that's not a term we use anymore. That's kind of old school back in the day. Now it's called specific learning disability. And I was like, okay. And so um, he tests her and we sit down to go over the results and he's, you know, telling me what she's struggling in. And then he gets into the meat of it and he was like, oh, that poor thing. She's dyslexic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you're like, yes, I've been saying that since kindergarten or maybe right. before. <laughs> it still was kind of um, shocking. You yeah. Because it, it's like a relief, but then it's like overwhelm all at the same time. Right. Yeah. So how did you feel at that moment when he said, yes, oh my goodness, she's absolutely dyslexic. How did you feel at that moment? It just kind of broke my heart, you know, Mm -hmm. I just knew it was going to be a long, a long road for her, Mm -hmm. even though I still didn't really understand what dyslexia was or what was needed. Um, He just said, you know what, you're doing this program you have her in, this is really good. I put my, his kid wasn't dyslexic, but he's like, I put my kid in. It's very helpful. You know, I think the path you're doing is ripe. You know, you want to do multi-sensory approach for her and he kind of listed off different things and he threw out Orton Gillingham. Mm -hmm. And I think that was the first time I had really heard that. And so I went home and kind of looked into it and started researching it. And I was like, oh, okay. And so she was getting that at Blossom for the most part, but it wasn't or it wasn't OG based. Right. And so, um, and it was just getting so expensive. I just, we couldn't, you know, between private school and yeah. paying for this, I was like, you know, and I then too, like, if she's <laughs> doing four days a week after school, I mean, it's not leaving her much time for anything else between that and homework. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That's she, the other thing well, that happens to our dyslexic kiddos is they get, because there is usually other things like speech or like you said, um, OT, or it could be, you know, ADA. I mean, there's just other things that go along with dyslexia and, you know, just the remediation part is exhausting for them after they've been at school all day and yeah. then there's homework. <laughs> and so, yeah, so I could see after a couple of 10 week cycles that that was, uh, you were hoping to hurt for her anyway, to see a lot more progress for her so she could get Right. Catch up. And Mm -hmm. yeah, you know, and I, they kept showing me where she was with her reading. I think by that point she was beginning of, by the end of second, I think she was at the beginning of a first grade reading level. 
Mm-hmm. Um, the one good thing is because she is in Montessori, there is no homework. So she did have. Oh, yeah. And they're yeah. also not grade levels and easily group right. by gra- uh, ages. Yeah. And so it doesn't, she's not standing out like she might in a, well, I don't say standing out, but in a traditional school, it may yeah. be more apparent. But yes. when there's l- different levels and different grades and well, not really grades, but different ages of kids grouped together. Well, yeah. She was in first through sixth grade grouped together in one yeah. classroom of like, 30 kids with two teachers yeah. and an assistant. So, but it was, it really was good for her because she never did feel behind because there right. was always kids and it was, at her level. Right. And there was so much hands on there. Right. There was yeah. so much hands on and her teachers um, were going through getting certified in Barton. Oh, okay. Well, I was going to ask you that piece. It's kind of a side, side discussion, but you know, I have had people tell me mixed things about Montessori as it relates to remediating a dyslexic child and whether or not that's a good pathway. But uh, it's interesting that the, where you were at, that they were actually going to school to be trained as well. So that's a huge benefit. Did you find, I know we're not dealing with your journey, but did you find anywhere along your journey that Montessori, um, posed any concerns or conflicts with what you needed to do for OG? No, not really. Cause you know, it just, it gave her, it gave her everything she needed. Like she is very hands-on with her learning. Like I'm not like I, I learning comes very easy to me. I can hear it and memorize it very quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, I don't need that hands-on like her, her approach when I sit in, you know, once a week we would go and sit in, parents could come and see what they're doing. And she would show me like how they were doing division with test tubes and beads in second grade. And I was like, I have wow. no idea what you're doing, but I'm glad that you understand. Exactly. As long as you're understanding it. Yeah. We're used to pencil on paper kind of thing. Yeah. It's yeah. interesting. My daughter's in fourth grade and she brings home these ways that they're doing math now. And I'm like, I, 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 yeah, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, how did you get that answer again? She's right. like, well, you take the turtle something, the turtle, I don't know. She's got terms for everything, which it makes sense to her though. I mean, she can just spout off stuff. I'm like, well, as long as it makes sense and you're right for some, for some kiddos, it makes better sense for them to have more of those manipulatives and those hands-on. And that's the the beauty of Montessori because she was able to explore and figure out her for herself, how she best learns. And then right. she's able to apply that is, is what I've always seen or thought of as a benefit to Montessori but is that structured literacy piece? I think that some people have said, mm, you don't really get that in Montessori because it's kind of different. You know, it's just a, right. a different type of, of teaching. So once you realize that there's really an Orton Gillingham component for kids that are really successful dyslexics, um, especially as they, as they go into adulthood, did you pivot or change what you were doing for tutoring at that point? Or, or what did you do going forward? Once you I get your did. dyslexia diagnosis, you now realize there's a whole world of Orton Gillingham and information overload. So what do you, what's your next step? Um, well, I had heard that Arizona has um, something called ESA an empowerment scholarship for kids with disabilities, where you can get scholarships to pay or help pay for their private schooling or for their therapies, whatever. So I started looking into that. And in order to apply for it, I was told that I had to have an evaluation from the public school district. They would not take my private $1,200 neuropsych evaluation. I was like, you gotta be kidding me because this is the route I wanted to go the first place. So I had to go to the school district and have her get tested by um, their neuropsych. What she did was she just took our evaluation basically and regurgitated it. And that's what I could use to apply for ESA. But talking to her, she told me about um, a tutor who I had heard about from other friends who were using her. She used to work for the school and she left um, to do privately. She became a Barton certified tutor. 
And so I got her number and reached out to her. And so that's who my daughter has been seeing now for the last, um, going on two years. Okay. And so since, since that change has occurred two years ago and, and now, you know, you're on a different path because you have, you have your, um, you know, you're at a place where you actually have some additional knowledge that helps you know what path you need to kind of be looking down and it just, to me, more knowledge that we have about what's going on, especially with our kids, it really helps kind of figure out what is the next step and then what is the next step. And so at that point, you've you found a certified Barton tutor. She's been with that tutor for a few years now. What are you seeing now? Like what what is the difference that you're seeing now? What kind of gains or, or, or have there been any gains over those last two years? I mean, yeah, huge gains. And it's hard to say because at Blossom, I think she got all of the building blocks that she needed to right. be a cusp of to actually be reading well, but she wasn't there yet. And then mm-hmm. when she switched over her Barton tutor, I think that really just helped connect it all. Yeah. And mm-hmm. So she really did start reading well. Mm-hmm. I mean, she was still reading slow. She still reads slow. She still mixes her words up and things like that, but mm-hmm. she's reading. Mm-hmm. And read. how often, like you said, she's been doing that for two years. How often does she go to tutoring? Um, we try to, I try for four times a week. Um, but depending on the tutor schedule, sometimes it's two to three. Okay. And is that an hour? Is that 45 yeah, minutes? An hour. That and she comes hour? to her school. So it's not after school. Oh, that's nice. Okay. So that's really great. They come in the afternoons when all the academic part of Montessori has been done in the morning. So she's mm-hmm. not missing out on, you know, important curriculum and she loves not having to do it after school. Oh, that's fantastic. And were you able to get some scholarships through the school system or through the state? Um, no, because I found out she was going to have to go to public school for a hundred days in order that's, to qualify. Yeah. That's and how it is in Georgia too. They have to attend. Did. Yeah. You have to have an IEP and then you have to have had it for so, so long. You've been yes. count, counted for so many attendance uh, cycles there. And yeah. so we were in a similar situation we had speech therapy and we went to a private school just because the classes were so much smaller and she was having a lot of articulation problems in pre-K. And then we just said, oh, we'll just keep her there in kindergarten because it was small and they knew her. Um, And same kind of thing. Once we realized we did get her tested through the public school, but mainly because I worked there. So I kind of knew the back channels, if you will, to get that done. But even then I knew at that point, I couldn't transition her to a public school. Like she was going to need to stay in a private school. And so I do think that's, I I wish that was something and I'm hoping that and praying that's something that will change in the States because, you know, at the end of the day, if the school district can't provide the services that we need. And so we have to go either to a private tutor or we've got to go to a private, my daughter's in a, uh, a school for dyslexia. There's several here in Atlanta. They're pricey. But every kid in the building is dyslexic. Every teacher's OG trained. I mean, it's just, it's night and day, right? But I do believe there should be some, um, you know, so I got off my soapbox in a second, but there should be some state scholarships that our kids should be able to be uh, awarded without having to attend public school where they're in a pullout program with kids with all types of learning differences. And so the teacher, it's very difficult to find a teacher in a public school that's OG trained, that's only, you know, instructing OG, you know, uh, OG for those kids. And so, um, and there's still, yeah, I talked to a mom the other day and she's like, you know, my daughter's school district, they say there's three dyslexics in the whole district and she's one of them. (laughs) And we're like, oh, we know that's not true. So, I mean, as long as we are still living in that land, it is so hard uh, as moms. And there's so many, you know, what I like to call that invisible parenting. There's so many pieces that our kids are having to go through that 
most people don't see, just like you were sharing with, you know, the tutoring. It's so, um, you know, let's talk about that. So since the tutoring is built into the end of her school day, um, is she now able to do some things outside of her day as far as interest or things that she likes doing? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So she, you know, she does after school clubs, chess club. Um, she takes piano lessons. She's done different music classes. I mean, yeah, it's, it's yeah. definitely. And can you much. tell a difference in her besides the reading? I mean, the, like you said, it, 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 you know, I know for some moms, especially early in the journey, it does. Once you know that your child's dyslexic, then and you start reading and listening and, and following different groups. It is a bit overwhelming. It is. And we know that these academic years are going to be so hard. But we also know that they're, they really are going to do amazing things because they're amazing little thinkers. They just think completely different. But at the end of the day, when we think about all of those pieces together, I love to hear stories where the kids are really, you know, finding their thing, right? Finding their strength, their passion, and they're having, they're finding time for that. And so that's so fortunate that you're able to have the tutor come to school because, Sometimes that's not the case. That's one of the reasons we we moved to the school we moved to. We moved across Atlanta. Long story, you know, sold house, moved jobs, like the whole nine yards. Um, because I wanted her to be able to have some, we're in first grade going to second grade at this point. We wanted her to have some type of childhood, right? Where it's not, like you were saying, it's so hard when every day after school you're having to go somewhere. It's hard on the family and it's hard on the kiddos. And um, and luckily for her too, it sounds like with, with the school that, you've been able to, to get her into with the, with the Montessori school, you know, I'm, I'm all about homework if it's something to reinforce, but I'm not about busy work. And right. so if you're going to send busy work home, yeah, that's, that's not that, you know, and I'm a, a former educator. I guess I'll always be an educator. My husband's an educator. We have a family full of educators. So education's there. Um, we still didn't know about dyslexia though. That was still a, a big unknown to us. So we've done a lot of research and, and learned a lot. Um, but I'll say all that to say, you know, I'm so glad, and I know you are too, that she's able to find outlets, that she's able to do things um, now that tutoring's built into her school day. So that's amazing that you're yeah. able to do that. She takes art class. That's her biggest thing is, um, oh, I love that. She because of COVID, they haven't had the art teacher at the school. So the mm-hmm. art teacher's been coming to our house and doing weekly art classes with her. And oh, that's amazing. Yeah. She's so amazing. And then something else I should mention, <clears throat> it's coming up is um, she attends a dyslexia summer camp. Oh, okay. All right. So that was also, um, I think really kind of a game changer. We started doing that. Um, this will be, this would have been her third summer last summer. It was canceled because of COVID, but Mm -hmm. it's in Colorado. Okay. So we go to Colorado. Um, it's an evergreen just outside Denver. Okay. Which one is that? I've looked at several summer camps. It's Rocky mountain, Rocky mountain. Okay. But the reason I asked that is the, uh, by the time this airs, they would have already heard all this, but, um, in the month of April, I'm doing all kinds of summer camps. I've interviewed people at a couple different camps and different programming. And so this is a perfect segue. I'm so glad you're talking about that. Okay. So when you think about summer opportunities, you said that she goes to summer camps or has had the benefit of doing that prior to COVID. Uh, what do you see as some of the benefits that you've seen as a family with her being able to attend that, that summer camp in Colorado? Um, just her, you know, her overall confidence. Um, I feel like it's a, it's five or six weeks and they, and they go every day, five days a week from eight to five and from eight to about one, it's all academics. And then they have lunch and then the afternoon is all activities. They go mountain climbing, horseback riding, mount, you know, all sorts of kayaking, fun stuff, ninja camps. So it's very intense. And I feel like they pack in a year's worth of tutoring into these 
five or six weeks that she's in camp. And so they cover handwriting and proper sentence analysis and, you know, writing paragraphs and they have to give a presentation at the end of camp and they have to write it all out and then present it to the entire camp and parents. And it, she just has um, a lot more confidence, you know, and she's also around other, you know, all the other children are dyslexic. So. Right. Absolutely. So do y'all go there and stay or does she stay or do y'all go up there as a family? We do. Yeah. So, um, you know, we can, I can work from home. My mm-hmm. husband can work from home. So in the summers he does, and then my in-laws rent a house and we all stay together in the house because that's a big expense having yeah. some people get, take their campers up there. Some okay. people rent the room, like people get pretty yeah. creative with what they can do. And then the scout, the camp does offer a scholarship, um, that we applied for the first summer and we got, so that paid for half of the camp. <clears throat> and so, yeah, we love it. It's, it's a great escape from the Arizona summers. We're not here for the 120 degree days. We're <laughs> in the mountains. So it's, that it's fantastic. Great. And our other kids love it too. That sounds great. Well, let's talk about for a minute. I have a couple other just quick follow-up questions for you. So it sounds like she's, it, it, that your oldest daughter is finally in a position where she is, um, you know, really starting to find, um, you know, some success and really starting to thrive in those areas and now starting to feel more secure because she's getting what she needs through the summer and then through the private tutoring at the school. And then she's in this amazing daily school environment that's supportive for how she learns. And so it sounds like there's amazing things going on, but I know that she's not your only, right? So you're a mom of three. And so let me ask you a question. It may be, I know for some, it's kind of hard sometimes to think about, but, um, when you think about parenting and parenting to me in general right now is so difficult because it's so different than when we were growing up, just, you know, not to mention a pandemic, but with social media and there's just so many pieces um, that just look different. But when you think about parenting a child with dyslexia, you know, what are some of the things that you would share with a mom who's new to this journey? What are you, what are you seeing as some of the most rewarding things are things that you're learning that you probably wouldn't have had you not had this opportunity to parent a child with dyslexia? Cause I really do think we are selected for them. Like we are paired up from them from day one, obviously. And so we, you know, we have been chosen to parent these amazing little kids, but you know, and not, I know every child's different. So it's hard to compare, you know, one to the other, but there are some unique pieces to parenting a child with dyslexia. A lot of those are kind of invisible to the outside world, but what are some things you would want to say to her? Some of the most rewarding things that she's going to see, you know, just their perseverance when they're not, um, when they have an outlet that really helps them flourish and learn, um, just seeing how much they grow when they're given the right circumstances to learn. That's such a game changer. Once you figure out what works for them, and then you follow through with that, um, you know, their confidence, just everything soars there. And then, you know, their other talents come out too, because then they're not so inhibited, I feel like. Right. Absolutely. So on the flip side of that, if we were to flip the coin to the other side, what do you think are some of the most challenging things that a mom may experience raising a child with dyslexia? Oh, just how they learn and they think differently. That has been the hardest thing for me because like I said, school came easy to me. I could study an hour before a test and ace it. And that is not, not the case for her. So just having patience and then just even executive functioning is so different, you know, her disorganization and having to constantly remind her to do things, not getting frustrated. Once you understand that that's oftentimes comes with being dyslexic, 
you know, learning what to do. Um, my husband figured out by attend because of the summer camp she goes to, they had all the parents do a simulation for dyslexia. And he was like, wow, I'm dyslexic. And so, you know, that's been a big realization for him and things that he's had to do, what he's learned with sticky notes to remind himself mm-hmm. to keep things organized, um, you know, just kind of helping her figure out how to become more organized and stay on top of things and not get angry at her and yell at her because she's not doing those things. Yeah, that is a challenge and just learning patience that is very different than what you might would have had to done. And then too, I think, like you were saying with the challenges, I don't know if challenge is the right word, but I do think it's a, a different family dynamics, especially, um, you know, when we as parents start going, oh, well, I do that. Or your spouse starts saying, oh, I, like my husband's like, okay, I'm, I'm completely dysgraphic. Like I've got to have dysgraphia. And so he just knows that. Right. But he, he, but as we were learning with her and learning more about dyslexia and the other, you know, diagnoses that go along with dyslexia that, you know, then you start dealing with another dimension. And so those things are not always on your radar as well. So All right, let's talk about something that I love to talk about. This is one of my kind of passion projects that I love to talk about, which is, you know, as moms, I've already talked about many times about just all this invisible parenting that we do that people don't see around us and just how it it can really be exhausting. It can really wear on us. And I only have one. So you have three kiddos. So I can only imagine uh, the, the, and then you run multiple businesses. So I know you're a busy lady, but what do you do for self-care? Because you, you know, for most of us, we, we put ourselves on the back burner until we are trying to, to, to get something out of that cup and it is completely empty. And so I am working on that myself. It is a work in progress, I will say, but I'm always fascinated to hear from people what they do for self-care. And many people have said, well, let me tell you before pandemic and then what I do now. So whatever you want to share, but I think it's helpful, especially at the beginning of the throes of dyslexia, you're so overwhelmed. You've forgotten how to take care of yourself. So do you mind sharing some of the things that you enjoy doing for your own self-care? Uh, Well, something I just recently started was walking early in the morning. I get up at six now and I walk until about 730 and come back um, and finish getting the kids ready for school. And that's been, I've only been doing this seven days in a row, but you know, I want to make this a habit now because I wasn't, I was not making time for exercise with everything else that was going on. And so I can listen to my podcasts now. I wasn't able to do those things. And that's something that I really enjoy, or I can bring a friend with and catch up with a friend on a walk on the walk. So mm-hmm. that's been good. Yeah. I love that too. And I can tell I'm still working from home. My, my day job, so to speak is we're still hundred percent telework. And so I will find that there are days when I'm like, Oh, I haven't been outside today. And I can tell a difference in how I feel, but if I can go outside and just, even if it's a 30 minute walk, I try to walk about an hour, but even if it's 30 minutes, it just feels good. I'm able to breathe in some fresh air. I'm I'm able just to get a different perspective. And so I I love that piece, just being able to get outside and and, and enjoy that. Uh, It really does make a difference, not only physically, but emotionally, I think as well. So, all right. So my last question for you is this. So if you are going to give advice to a mom who is starting her journey, maybe she, she's either just figuring out something's not working and maybe she's not quite to the dyslexia identification, or maybe she just found out within the last few weeks or a few months and she's just feeling all the things, right? She feels alone. She feels overwhelmed. She feels like, I don't know if I can do this. You know, what is some advice that you would want to give to her? She's called you on the phone and she's like, Daniela, I don't know what to do. What would you tell her? 
I actually have gotten this call from sharing my story on Facebook. I've had several people reach out to me and it's just knowing who the true experts are on this and who aren't, um, you know, just because someone is a teacher, a principal, whatever administrator doesn't mean that they have all of the answers. And so just because someone gives you an answer, don't take that at face value. Keep searching and digging and looking at all of the different uh, options and testing and, you know, you, you're your child's biggest advocate. And I think that's the biggest thing I've learned. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think you're so right there on just, you know, it's, I think sometimes it's almost intimidating because we just think, well, the teachers will know and, right. um, and, and, and they, they don't do it maliciously. They, they just yeah. know what they know, you know? And like you said, we had some amazing teachers and they're like, I just can't put my finger on it. And so I think you're right there as far as, you know, we just have to go with, our own intuition like you did and just keep digging. All right. Just keep digging and asking those questions. So I think that's great advice. Thank you for that. So I want to be the first person because we're recording this in like the last week of March to say happy mother's day early. Thank you. Thank you. you. And thank you so much for being on the show. And so I, I so appreciate you sharing your story. It really does make a difference And I know Many people are going to appreciate uh, you sharing. And I, we, I just thank you so much for all that you're doing. Uh, I'm definitely going to put a link to your your uh, panda, Purple Panda Company in the show yeah. notes. Uh, y'all are doing some amazing things there. And so I definitely want to connect people with that if they want to check that out because it they, you do have some amazing things on there. And some of the things I'm like, oh, I wish my daughter was a little younger. I would love to buy that. <laughs> But, toys, yeah. Yeah, but of course, toys are always good. So, but uh, but yeah, y'all have some really unique pieces that um that I just think are amazing. So, um, but I do appreciate you, and I hope that you have a fantastic Mother's Day. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening today, and happy Mother's Day to you. You are an amazing warrior mom, and together we can do hard things, right? Are you new to dyslexia? If you are and you're looking for more resources, then go to dyslexiamomlife.com backslash start here where I have resources for you from blog articles, other podcast episodes you can listen to, and also free resources. And do you want to connect with our guests this month? Then be sure to go to dyslexiamomlife.com to find each of the episodes listed there from this month so you can connect with all these amazing moms on our podcast. And we have a special episode that we're going to be releasing on May 31st, so you don't want to miss that. Be sure to subscribe, though, because we are going to be releasing these Mother's Day episodes throughout the month of May. Have a great day, and remember, you got this.